0: how's my financial health doc welcome to the
1: financial literacy podcast for healthcare professionals where financial security and wealth topics are not
0: a taboo that they went through they've gone through 10 years of audit because they were on oh. a blacklist What I found is that a lot of people, taxpayers out there, um, they're not giving, they're not documenting, they're not keeping the receipts. Receipts is the basic entry for deduction. If you incur the expenses to incur the income, to generate the income, technically that expenses would be allowed to be deducted.
1: As Canadians, because we live in the cold white north, there's really not much we can talk about. We love to talk about weather. I think weather is the number one thing Canadians love to talk about. And two are sports, because really, there's really just weather and sports. But I will tell you a third topic that we love to talk about. In fact, I don't think we love to talk about it. We love to hate it and we love to lament about it. And that are taxes. Yes. Your favorite, your favorite topic, taxes. It is no surprise that Canadians pay a lot of tax in comparison to the rest of the world and also in comparison to our friendly neighbors down south. When we talk about taxes, everyone, and I really mean everyone, get excited because we all want to talk about what we deducted off our income. Physicians as independent self-employed There are many things we can deduct off our income. For example, things that we use for our profession, laptops, computers, cell phones, uh, stethoscopes, lab coats. So what can we deduct in our uh, personal income tax? But for those of us who are incorporated, what else can we deduct and how much? Today, we're going to have a very in-detail discussion with an accountant. In fact, a CPA who will give us more details and more interesting things to think about. And so welcome to the show. And I hope you enjoy the show on how to beat the tax man. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the How's My Financial Health Doc podcast. And today we have a very different topic from, my, from what I usually do. This topic is about accounting. I am not an accountant, and that is why I have an expert with me today. And I got uh, connected with uh, Cherry Chan through uh, reading her book, which, by the way, is an r- amazing book uh, to read about accounting and as it pertains to real estate. But I think it's also good for just general knowledge. Here today we have with us an author and a expert in accounting, professional accounting, uh, Cherry Chan. So Cherry, uh, why don't you just tell a little bit about yourself and uh, what do you do?
0: I am a published author. That's awesome. Uh, because I just this book just allowed me to uh, get on Amazon bestselling author without any tricks or anything, because there are strategies that you can get on that. But I got into the uh, I got on the um, uh, Amazon bestselling author earlier this year. So this is an awesome book.
1: What's the name of your book, by the way?
0: Uh, Complete Taxation Guide to Real Estate uh, Investors. And it's Canadian, all Canadian content. I also own my accounting firm. Uh, We are a team of about, so we have a team of about 13 accountants. Um, I am also a mom, uh, a real estate investor myself. Uh, I do a little bit of stock option trading. And I also do a little bit of all the other investments that you can think of. I probably do a little bit of everything.
1: Obviously, your book is about real estate, Mm -hmm. uh, but since you do a little bit of investment about everything, maybe I'll pick your brain down the future for more podcasts.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: This podcast is really to talk about, I believe, maybe some basics of accounting uh, as it pertains to healthcare professionals. Over the years, a lot of my colleagues have, and myself, to be honest, have been asking ourselves the question, you know, what can we write off through a corp? Or even if I'm not incorporated, what can I write off? And uh, what can I did that? So let me start with those type of questions. And then eventually, I have one important question to ask you at the end, because it's sort of controversial, at least, I think in a community it's controversial, in my mind, it's not, but I'll leave that to the end. So when it pertains to healthcare professionals, and when I say healthcare professionals, I'm talking about doctors, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, uh, dentists okay so i'll i'll put them in the same category you might you might distinguish them a little bit as you uh, give your answer so what what can we uh write off in taxes uh either personally or if i was incorporated what else can i do
0: it's a it's it's really great question now um there is a general rule in CLA in inca- in the income tax act that says any expenses that you incur for the purpose of earning the particular income uh, in your case, is the business income. Even though we call it professional income, it is business income. If you incur the expenses to incur the income, to generate the income, technically that expenses would be allowed to be deducted, subject to a bunch of exceptions. Uh, applying specifically to healthcare workers. For doctors, um, it could be the supplies that you use. If you have a clinic, it could be the rent, um, the the phone equipment, the internet, the computer equipment. Um, if you have to um, visit, I, I have a Client that visit multiple um, dental office and she's an associate and she works at different dental office. The car expenses would also be allowed to be deductible. So it really is driven by what you incur for the purpose of earning the income. Now that's number one thing. Now the number two thing is that in Canada because we're. We're in Canada, and it is highly taxed environment. And CIA does a lot of audit, and it's important to earn the deduction. I call it earning the deduction. So whenever you think that you have a deduction, you don't have to talk to your accountant immediately. But if you think that okay, I incur this meal expenses, I give this LCBO to this person, and this person bring me a patient, um, that gift card or that bottle of wine, you have to write down the person's name on it. Whatever you you gift. Those expenses, not only you need to document the person that you give the gift to, you also need to keep the receipt. What I found is that a lot of people, taxpayers out there, um, they're not giving, they're not documenting, they're not keeping the receipts. Receipts is the basic entry for deduction. If you don't keep the receipt, you don't even get any deduction at all. Let, Let alone like, oh, is it falling into the gap between these? And are there any gray area? Can I get the maximum deduction? No receipt doesn't work. Now, also the, the fact that some accountants and we as accountants, we love you guys to have dedicated bank account, also dedicated credit card, all the business expenses go through those accounts, whether or not you own your business in the corporation or I mean, own your professional practice in your corporation or in, per, per, in the person, personal name, we already always encourage you to uh, to have a separate uh, dedicated bank account for easy reference and easy ease of uh, bookkeeping as well. Now, but having that, all these business transactions going through the bank statements and credit card statements do not make that a deduction. You actually have to keep the receipt. So if you drive to the clinic, uh, not the clinic, but if you drive to multiple clinics to conduct your businesses and the guest receipts, It's seemingly so unimportant. It could be like $60. You have to keep that guest receipt of $60 to earn the $60 deduction. So that's the part that majority of the people don't really understand. Sometimes they would misunderstand it as like, I already got the visa statement. What else do you want? I mean, I could do your book up with the bank statement and bank transactions and credit card statements, but that's not going to help you when uh, to defend you when CLA comes back and asks for the receipt.
1: It's all fun and giggles until someone pokes an eye, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. The major difference between incorporation and non not incorporation, non-incorporated business in terms of deduction, there there's only a couple because typically as long as the business is your practice is generating revenue, the corresponding expenses for the majority of it, it would be tax deductible. The only small difference between the two uh, in terms of deductions, just tax deductions, uh, one of them is the number of conferences that you can attend. If you own your practice in your personal name, technically, they only allow you to attend two deducts to business conferences. In your corporation, you can deduct as many as you want. Now, um, there are differences in terms of deducting automobile expenses as well. If it is in your personal name, then you deduct it one way. In the corporation, you can deduct it using just the CLA mileage allowance method. So you can just keep a logbook, multiple, take that, drive 10,000, kilometer for um, business use and then 10,000 times the whatever CLA rate would be. Right now, I think it's around 61 cents for the first 5,000 kilometer. And you can claim that for simplicity's sake. You can claim that for uh, in the corporation. So those are the minor differences. Now, in terms of the accounting fee deduction, the personal side, you can deduct the accounting fee to prepare your statement of professional income. But technically, the preparation of your personal tax return is not deductible. So you Mm. have to make sure that it has to be worded in accordance to it. The second thing is that in the corporation, obviously, the corporation tax return, you don't need to worry about the wording as long as it's for the uh, it is incurred for the purpose of doing your corporation tax return. It will be tax deductible.
1: I mean, that's amazing information. So I just want to come back to the personal one
0: Mm. when you
1: mentioned that As per CRA rules, if I'm if I'm going to conferences and I want to deduct it off the personal income, Mm. it's a maximum of two per year. Yes. Uh, Is that whether they make a difference, whether it's a national or local conference versus a international conference?
0: They didn't really distinguish that. It's just says it's convention. Okay. Two co- two conventions.
1: Two conventions, and if so, the third one would not be deductible at all.
0: Technically, yes.
1: Okay, and through a corporation, if I'm paying my conference through the corporation, mm. I I can go to as many and deduct as many as is allowed.
0: Well, provided that you tie. Remember the general rule when we first started off that you have to tie that conference. If you are, for example, if you are. Uh, doctors and then you're attending a conference on investing and you want to deduct it then technically they're not tied to the same type of business so then that would not be deductible but if you're attending a conference like the most famous one that i know is the biohacking conference it's 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 at least um it's some alternate medication and eating and all that nutritional stuff. If you, like, at least you can tie it back to earning the income and and enrich your knowledge, then that kind of makes sense, and that would be deductible.
1: Okay. I -hmm. mean, that's a good distinction. A lot of healthcare professionals are not just healthcare professionals. They either have a skill in either IT, or they have a skill in research and other things. So if they go to a conference that has a more focus on, let's say the IT component or how to use AI in medicine, et cetera, those type of things, would that still be uh, eligible? Or would that be too much of a spread?
0: This would be really um case specific, right? If they are really working on some research and that and and I would definitely push for the deduction. Now, whether or not, like first of all, whether or not you're going to get poked around by CLA, that's by check a little bit by luck. Now, um, the other thing is how depending on who the who the auditor is, they may not see eye to eye in terms of the deduction and how you position the deduction as well. You say you mentioned that, okay, um, this position or this healthcare worker went into this IT conference about AI, and that presumably has the content to help him or her to be a bit better at improving her, his or her skills in terms of practicing using AI in, in, in the professional practice. I think it's totally reasonable to deduct it. Now, whether or not the auditor see it eye to eye with you, I can't argue, but majority of the auditors, if you put in the work and print out the documentation, hence why I said you have to earn your deduction because you always yes. have to do a little bit of homework. Make sure that you have the, the uh, documentation present it to that person. I can't see why you would not be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you drove the point really well is really documentation. I'm, like us, even as healthcare professionals, documentation is uh, primordial. And so from an accounting perspective, how can you defend our position if you don't even have the proof,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Absolutely. So so let me just circle back on the two differences and correct me if I'm wrong between professional sorry, individual versus corporation. So the two differences is one Mm -hmm. in the in the personal, the accounting fee is deductible, but not the book, but not the bookkeeping. Whereas in the corporation, it doesn't matter. Both are deductible. Um, is
0: that correct? In the personal side, the co- preparation of your personal tax return is not a deductible expense. Oh, got it but the preparation of your statement of professional income, because you would report your um, sole proprietorship or your professional practice, income and expenses on a schedule called statement of professional income, uh, statement of professional activities. And on that schedule, you will report your income and then deduct all the expenses. Now, to prepare that schedule is deductible, but to prepare your tax return is not a deductible expense.
1: Got it. And so from the accounting perspective, so if I'm engaging you into that help, would you as the accountant automatically separate that or would I have to ask you to do that?
0: It's always good to review your bill and make sure that it's documented as such. So sometimes, I mean, the accounting professional, we're really doing your tax return as well, right? But we can also make sure that on the invoice itself, it says I'm preparing your statement of professional T twenty one twenty five schedule uh, statement of professional uh, activities. That would make it hundred percent deductible. It's the other way that you would not be. Got so it. Make sure that you review the the invoice and it's stated as such.
1: Got it. So that's mm-hmm. one good pearl that I just got out of there. Thank you for that lovely chocolate nugget. So the second difference between the professional and, and the corporation is the number of conventions that we can deduct uh, on mm-hmm. a yearly basis. Yep. So other than those two small differences, everything else is pretty much the same from an accounting perspective in terms of deduction.
0: In terms of deductions only. Um oh, we mentioned also the automobile expenses, right? Mm. So the way that you're allowed to deduct automobile expenses uh, could be slightly different, it could be the same, but Typically, with the corporation, you have uh, uh, a little bit more options. There are two options to to deduct your automobile expenses. If it's in your personal name, there is only one way to deduct it.
1: Okay, so we'll mm-hmm. get into that in uh, just a few minutes. Sure, um, we'll we'll talk about cars, which is a passion of mine. But we'll talk <laughs> cars and taxes, which is not okay. a passion of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I guess the second question is what and how much a physician, whether it's incorporated or not incorporated, can deduct? And I believe we addressed that a little bit, unless there's uh, a few more things you wanted to add to that.
0: I have a couple of clients who actually I I took, in my early stage of um, starting my practice, I took over one client who's a nurse practitioner. And um, so she's not, she doesn't have her own corporation. Uh, she works as a, in the capacity of a in the capacity of an employee but the hospital that she works for gave her um schedule called T2200 what this schedule does is that it's based it says that hey you're an employee and you can incur employment expenses and you would be eligible to deduct the expenses so she got that schedule and her previous accountant before she switched over to me said that hey because you have this schedule, I'm going to deduct your car, I'm going to deduct your, also a bunch of cell phone, home office expenses, without really taking into consideration that she's working as an employee, and, and she doesn't work from home at all. So on the t 200 form, she it's specified the, the percentages she works from home, Does she, is she required to do that. Now, There are many accountants out there. There are many good accountants out there, but there are also many so-called accountants that do not have any professional registration. And don't get me wrong, a lot of accountants out there who do not have a professional designation doesn't mean that they are not good accountant. It's just that I can't control who does what. When you get, the, I guess, the CPA at the end, you kind of know, hey, they are at least CPA, they went through certain level of educational program background. But without that CPA, sometimes you don't know who they really are. And sometimes their advice could be very wrong. In this particular situation, this particular so-called accountant deduct a bunch of home office expenses, trigger a huge refund, which is about $20,000. Wow. And she has to pay it all back, plus wow. penalty because it, she's not eligible to claim it. She doesn't work from home. Right. How do you deduct home office expenses? The process of doing your personal or corporation tax return is always on this honest system. And they may or may not come back to you, but they, if they do come back to you, you have to pay them all back plus penalty and interest. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's a very interesting story. I've never encountered anything ever since, but we're, we're always on the right uh on the right side of the law. We may push the envelope a little bit, but that would be how, as far as we would get go.
1: So coming back to this case where that nurse practitioner had to pay the money back and now triggered a CRA audit, does that put her on a what people tell me quote unquote blacklist and how, how long she would be on this blacklist and how long she would be monitored? Or is that urban legend?
0: i would i would say it's more of an urban legend there is no blacklist per se now um i've heard i've also heard personal stories uh, among my clients that they went through they've gone through 10 years of audit because they were on wow. a blacklist but it's only one case now what actually happened there was a, an article that was released i think back in 2000 early 2011 2012. That CLA, don't call me on the day, but CLA came out and said that they did a study. They did a study in terms of uh, doing random audit or doing a focus audit. So they identify a high risk area in the tax return and they see, and if they search all their database and find those people who are high risk and have meet certain criteria, they identify that. And then did the uh, survey on, in terms of, um, how much return on their effort they would get in terms of catching those people. And it turns out the high risk focus audit is performing way better than the random audit. Makes sense. They are now focusing a lot of their effort in terms of like focusing certain area, on certain areas. Like employment expenses is one large area that they have been focused in the last few years. If you're deducting a large amount of employment expenses, it's a trigger for them to audit you. Yeah. Now, um, the second thing is that uh, real estate, as you know, like it's booming like crazy and they yes. just want their, they want the low hanging fruit. They are just like us. Yes. They just want to grab as much as possible from the people that are cheating the system. So that would be the other area. Physicians are not their area of focus at this point. Oh good God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Unless they are they are focusing on like car expenses as a high risk area, then that would be a different story, right? Ah. But typically by profession, by industry, I wouldn't say doctors and dentists are the high risk area.
1: Well I mean we're we're reliable and honest people, right?
0: (laughs) Exactly. hundred percent You have integrity.
1: So uh, I wanna keep that last uh, comment about the car for later because we're gonna address it. So sure. out, of the, out of the risk factors that you mentioned, real estate, you mentioned employment uh, expenses and cars, are there other high risk areas that we should be f- paying attention to?
0: Music and entertainment is also a big area that you have to pay attention to as healthcare professional workers. Deducting music. remember my earlier comment about general expense, general deduction earn rule? It. Yeah, you have to earn it and you also have to tie it to earning the income. So you need oh. to be able to establish the yes. case to earn the income. As healthcare professional. If you incur muse expenses or LCBO expenses or um, going to restaurants, like you have to be able to justify why you're deducting the expenses. Got it. Like that person that you take them to for the meal, you have to be able to justify it. How is it helping? How's that person helping you? Is he a referring doctor? If you are like, for example, if you are a specialist. Yes let's say if you're a specialist in terms of practicing medicine and you rely on other physicians to refer you business, yeah. whining and dining them is okay. But if you're a family th- physician, you open the door and the people just basically come, in. come yeah. in, then that type of business model does not justify a large amount of views and entertainment.
1: Right. But for example physician, I'll, I'll use the example of a family doctor, because mm. I, I am one. So the family doctor is recruiting a brand new grad or recruiting a new physician to come join the practice yeah. as an associate, or they're recruiting a physiotherapist or a chiropractor. And that first meeting, second meeting to learn to know each other and, and drill out the plan of how they work together in that relationship, that meal, as you say because it's is to generate money into the business that meal is deductible
0: absolutely and it doesn't have to be successful you just need to be able to describe that that what you did in that in that particular meeting right or that relationship what you were trying to do it he or she may not end up joining your practice right. but it is still a deductible expense and the key is you make sure that you write down the name of the person that you take you have the meal with the reason is that my per my husband went through an audit in his first year of filing his uh, taxes as a real estate agent and he uh, he got audited. He didn't know how to file his uh, HST return, and he went ahead to file it. it file it completely wrong. And the auditor said, "I want to see all your meals and entertainment receipts." And it was a list of receipts. And then they said, "Okay, I want to I want a list of people that you took uh, that you had the meals with." And he has to fill out the blank. Right. And then I also want the phone number of these people, so that he she can call. These people to verify they had a meal with with uh, him. Now they never end up calling, but they do want that contact, that level of detail. If you ever get audited,
1: that brings up a very important point because if I'm having a meal with Doctor Smith and I'm trying to recruit Doctor Smith, Mm. and at the end of the day, Doctor Smith doesn't end up joining my practice and Dr. Smith moved away, you know, at the time of the meal and at the time of the receipt, I'm writing Dr. Smith and I'm writing business meeting through recruitment. I don't necessarily remember to write down the phone number. And so in the future, if he changes his phone number, cancels his mobile or moves out of the country, then I could potentially be in uh, uh, some trouble
0: you could but i mean if it also goes back to the level of documentation that you have you already have the level of documentation if like let's say you have like 50 meals that you deduct during the year and then year after year you have the same level of documentation that you we just described it's hard for cla not to have that negotiation with you and say hey like look i documented everything you can pick another person it's just so happened this person's phone numbers changed. it has nothing to do with me but if they pick like five other samples all five of them phone numbers wrong then there's something wrong as well right
1: right a pattern
0: yeah exactly but if you like four out of the five that's wrong, then that's totally acceptable. Call another one and the sixth one may work.
1: It is very obvious that proper documentation and proper keeping and filing of receipts are important so that we can earn, like Cherry said, earn our deductions. And it seems like to be fairly easy and fairly straightforward but there's also room for interpretation and like cherry said i think it's just a question of making sure that you are within the borders and the boundaries of what is acceptable by cra and we always want to be within the borders of what is acceptable because as cherry mentioned this is an honor system if you play by the rules you should be fine and make sure you document 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 very similar to what we do in medicine, document, document, document. I'm going to end the discussion here uh, because our dialogue with Cherry is actually very long and we've had a great conversation. But to make this a digestible podcast, I will split this into three segments. So this is the segment about deductions from income tax for personal and also corporation tax filing. I'm going to take this opportunity again to put a little plug about my virtual workshop that is happening on June 4th. It's a whole day event from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and it will be done virtually via Zoom and where we're going to be going through the basics of personal financial literacy. Although it's a course for basic concepts, I will introduce in there little nuggets of more sophisticated concepts as well. And it's not a one-day didactic course. It's meant to be a workshop. So please come and join me. It will be interactive. It will be fun. And it will be on June 4th. Please visit www.beautifultimesinc.ca So beautiful times inc dot CA in one word forward slash conference and workshops in one word. So the website is www.beautifultimesinc.ca forward slash conference and workshops. So June 4th, see you guys there. I guarantee you we will have lots of fun. This is a workshop for physicians Nurses, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, dentists, chiros, physios, optometrists. And as I mentioned, I never leave the lawyers out, even though they're not healthcare professionals. But I believe they suffer from the same lack of financial literacy we do. Unless they want to argue with me. And, you know, at the end of the day, they probably will. So anyways, come and join me on June 4th for a virtual all-day workshop on personal financial literacy. If you want to reach out to me, you can go on to my new website, financialhealthdoc.com. Again, it is financialhealthdoc.com. Or email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. One more time, it is hmfhd2020 hd
0: How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.